we have an Alexa at home. Well, technically, her name is the Amazon Echo, but everyone knows her as Alexa. And I love Alexa because I just get home and I can say, Alexa, play Christian music. And she does. I love her except for the times when I ask her for something and then she does, she has no clue what I'm talking about. And I get so frustrated because I ask her something and I keep asking and I keep asking the same thing and she keeps saying something completely different each time. Because you just didn't say the right words exactly the way she wanted to hear them. Well, on Tuesday morning, there was an article that came out and I saw that came up on the screen and it said something about a mountain lion killed by a Colorado runner. And I was curious about this article because I had heard my husband mentioning something about it earlier. And so I asked her to play this article, the play the news article. And she's playing everything else. So after 300 times, I just say, okay, I give up and I pick up my phone. And I look up the article. And it said that there was a man that morning who was in a Colorado park running through the trails. And suddenly, he heard a sound behind him. And as he turned around, there was a mountain lion that got spooked by him and just pounced on him, attacked him right from behind. Bit his face and his wrist. But this man, it said, he was determined that he was going to live. And so he grabbed on to the mountain lion and he kept holding on, holding on, holding on until he strangled the mountain lion, dropped him, ran to the car and drove himself to the hospital. And there the officials were informed of what had happened and they went back to look at this mountain lion and sure enough, it had been suffocated laying on the ground. And as I was listening to the story, I have been living and breathing for the past month and a half, the story of Elijah. And the reason I've been studying it so much is because about less than a month ago, Andrews Academy students called me up, asked me to come speak for their Bible camp. And the theme they gave me was the still small voice from the story of Elijah. And so I started studying it. And as I was going through it, it was still on my mind. I had just preached the series. It was still on my mind as I heard the story. And I was thinking, wow, that is exactly what happened to Elijah. He got attacked from behind when he was least expecting it. So let's go to that story together. It is found in 1 Kings chapter 19. But before we begin this part, let me just review real quick. So the story of Elijah begins by king, with King Ahab, who we are told it was the most evil king that had ever ruled in Israel. In fact, he's so evil and introduces Baalism into the land that God says it's enough. I'm going to show everyone that Baal is fake and that I am God. And so he says, go tell the king that there will be no dew, no rain until I say there will be rain. Because Baal was known as the god of the storms. And so God says, no, he's not the one who's bringing you storm, who's bringing you rain, it is me. Elijah goes into hiding for three years. And then at the end of those three years, God sends him back and says, all right, now go and gather everyone on Mount Carmel. And when they're there, there are two altars set up, one for Baal and one for God. And Elijah says, okay, the God that sends the fire, he's God. And the people say, yep, 
great idea, let's do it. Prophets of Baal are running and jumping around their altar for six hours straight. From 9 a.m. until 3 p.m., they're cutting themselves, screaming, hollering, the frenzy that's going on there. They're bloodied, and by the end, Elijah just says, that's enough. And now the scene of chaos turns into calm. As Elijah had everything poured with water so that nobody could say that this was not God, and then he just raises his hands to heaven and says, Lord God, please show everyone that you are real. And at that moment, the fire ignites everything. And it says it licked up the water, the stones, the sacrifice. Nothing was left. And the people who see it fall down and cry out, the Lord, he's God, the Lord, he's God. And then he prays for rain, and the rain comes, and then he runs in front of Ahab's chariot for 17 miles all the way to Jezreel. And after this crazy day of events, they get to Jezreel, and I believe that Elijah probably went to sleep because he's exhausted and he hasn't eaten all day either. Well, well, Ahab goes to Jezebel, and this is in chapter 19, verse 1. Ahab, it says, told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Now notice, he doesn't say, this is all that God has done. He said, this is what Elijah has done, and that he has killed all these prophets with the sword. And then Jezebel sends a messenger to Elijah, says, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. In other words, she says, I promise you that in 24 hours, you will be dead. And I imagine Elijah's face just draining from blood because it says that he arose and ran for his life. He runs all the way to Beersheba, which would have been about six days away. Probably took him less. He was rushing with the servant. He drops off his servant because he wants to keep on going by himself. And he goes another day's journey into the wilderness, and then he gets under this broom tree, and he collapses. He's done. He can't keep going. And there it says he prays that he might die. It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. What just happened? This man who was bold and courageous for God, who saw him do all these amazing miracles, suddenly goes from that to being on the ground ready to die. Talk about being attacked from the back. He was attacked. But not just by Jezebel, because we know that there is a spiritual battle out there. And then there is a lion who is waiting, roaring around, waiting for whom he can devour. And he takes advantage of Elijah's weakness. He studied us our whole lives. He knows exactly what it is that's going to get us. And he sends that right thing at the right time to discourage him, to bring him down. 
so that he doesn't see any way out. And Elijah says, I am no better than my fathers. Who are these fathers? Well, he's talking about the prophets that have come before him. The prophets who preached to the people of Israel, wanted them to repent and turn back to God. Did any of them actually succeed? Did Elijah succeed? All he can see is that nothing has worked. None of it has worked. Nobody is actually following God. And he says, I am a failure. I can understand what he feels like. I've been there when I've worked with people who I thought, yes, please give your heart to God, give your heart to God, and sometimes they even get baptized, and then in the end, a couple of years later, you see that they want nothing to do with God. And you think, how is that even possible? And you feel like you have put everything into this work for God, and yet, hasn't done anything. But I'm pretty sure that you don't have to be a minister to ever have felt like a failure. I think that there are times in all of our lives where we feel it. Maybe you've lost a job before. Maybe you've felt like a failure as a mother or a father or a husband or a wife. Or maybe you weren't put in the position that you were expecting. Sometimes we get hit from behind, and Satan knows exactly when to do it. So he lays down and he falls asleep under this broom tree. And it says, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. And he looks around and there is bread and water. Eats it and drinks it, and he goes back to sleep. And then verse seven says, and the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. What journey? Well, you see, God already knows where Elijah's going. He hasn't said anything, but he knows. He knows that he has decided that his destination is going to be the mountain of God, because it says, he went in that strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights, as far as Horeb, the mountain of God, and the mountain of God is the Mount Sinai. So even though Elijah is going through all of this, he, maybe subconsciously, is heading towards the mountain of God because he knows that that's a place where people have seen God, people have experienced God. He knows the stories of Moses, of how many times he went up the mountain to be with God. And so he's heading in that direction to meet God because he knows that he needs him. When he gets there, he goes into a cave, and now God speaks to him. I'm in verse 9. And God says just one question. What are you doing here, Elijah? God wants him to realize that he, it is his choice that he is here. It is not where God told him to go. Because what had just happened? The people on Mount, and, and Mount Carmel just fallen down and said, the Lord, he's God, the Lord, he's God. His job was to stay there and to shepherd those people, to show them what it means to walk with God. But instead, he runs, and he's at Mount Sinai instead. 
And we hear what's going on in Elijah's mind by what he says next. He says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. He says, I have done all of these things for you, God, because I wanted to see a difference. And then this is what's happened. And now I, I'm in danger of losing my life, and I am alone. Elijah has put himself in this box where his negative thoughts have spiraled him and spiraled him and spiraled him, where the only thing that he can see is himself. Everything is terrible, everything is awful, because it is all done to me. He's going through a major pity party. I am a failure. Did you notice, those of you who know the story well, that he's not even seeing the truth? That he doesn't even say the truth in the statement that he says? On his way to Mount Carmel, he met Obadiah. And Obadiah was the steward of Ahab's household. And what did Obadiah tell him? Tell, tell him? He told him, I have hidden 100 of God's prophets in caves. So is Elijah alone? Is he the only one who's serving God? No, and he knows it because somebody told him. But he cannot think straight. Because he has become so enwrapped in the way that he's been thinking and just spiraling and spiraling and spiraling that he cannot even see the truth. And that's what Satan does to our minds. He warps the way we think so that we don't see what the truth actually is. We do not see reality. So then God says, okay, come. And he goes right in front of where the cave entrance is. And it says God passes by him. And now the strong wind comes, but God is not there. An earthquake comes, but God is not there. A fire happens, but he's not there either. And after that, a still, small voice. And when he hears it, it says, he knows this is God. And so he comes out, and God comes again, and he tells him the exact same question as he has asked him before. Elijah, what are you doing here? And you know what Elijah answers? The exact same thing as before. I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. It's as if he didn't see anything that God had just showed him. And then God says, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go back 
And when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, you will anoint as prophet in your place. And in verse 17, he says this. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. What is God telling him? He says, Elijah, I have a plan. I do not force anyone to follow me. King Ahab and Jezebel did not choose to follow me. And I know that you're frustrated because of that. You see, Elijah was expecting a great revival. How could there not be a great revival? They just saw fire fall from heaven. How could Ahab go back to Jezebel and both of them deny that God is real? How could they still keep holding on to Baal? But they do. And so all Elijah sees is that. How is it possible, God? And God says, I have a plan. My timing is not your timing. But there will come a time where these two kings, they will get rid of Baalism in the land of Israel. And then he ends by saying, yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel. God brings him back to reality. He says, this is the truth. The truth is that there are 7,000 others who love me. I believe that Elijah's journey back looked completely different than his journey there. And then this time, he's really thinking about all of these things that God had showed him. And perhaps, as he's doing that, he realizes there is something he missed. That he wanted an encounter with God, and then he got it, but really, he encountered God right before that, and never even noticed. Did you notice it? In verse 5, where it says that an angel comes and gives him food, then it describes it again as the angel of the Lord. And when you study the instances of the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, you see that they are connected to God most of the time. So who comes and feeds Elijah? It is not an angel that he sends. God sends himself. Jesus is the one who comes down and gives him food. He touches him to encourage him, to show him, hey, I am here. But all that Elijah can see is his problems. He doesn't even notice that Jesus is right there. I've been there. This past couple years, especially this last year, has been really rough because I have a sister who is really sick. She has something that's called the POTS syndrome, where her heart and her nervous system don't work together. And as far as we know, there is no cure. We had an anointing over her a long time ago, and she was getting better. But then in the last couple of years, she's gotten worse. 
And this year has especially been difficult for the whole family. Because there have been days when we weren't sure what was going to happen. What was next? Is there any hope? And I have to say that I got to the point where I started thinking, well, God, I know that you are a big God, but maybe you're just not big in this. Maybe you just can't do something about this because you don't want to, so you're not really big. And then, Andrew's Academy called and said that I needed to come and talk to them about the story of Elijah. And as I was preaching these messages, I preached six messages, one after another that weekend. And as I was preaching through them, I started realizing, wow, I had in my life made my problems become bigger and bigger and bigger. And God went smaller and smaller and smaller. And Elijah did the same thing. Didn't even notice that Jesus was the one right next to him that whole time. When Satan comes to you and attacks you from the back, I hope that every single one of us will say no. I am not going to believe those lies. I believe the truth, and the truth is that I serve a big God. My God is the God who makes the lame to walk. My God is the God who opens the eyes of the blind. My God is the kind of God who shuts the mouths of lions. My God parted the Red Sea. My God threw down fire on Mount Carmel. My God fed Elijah in the wilderness with ravens, with who? With scavengers, scavengers who do not feed people. He fed him every morning, every evening. My God. is the one who came down and touched Elijah when he needed it most, when he was going in the wrong direction. Because that's how much my God loves me. That's how much your God loves you. And if you ever hear otherwise, do not believe it. Do not believe Satan's lies because our God is a big God. 